This is the Other Bundesliga podcast, the Austrian football podcast in English. Coming up on this episode, we've got news from the Cup, from the Europa League and from the Austrian Bundesliga as well. And as we're recording on International Women's Day, what better day to bring you some news from Austrian women's football as well. And welcome to the latest episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. I'm your host, Tom Midler. I'm gathered here remotely, I should add, with our regular contributors. That's Lee Wingate and Simon Clark. How are you guys both doing? What have you been up to? Very good, Tom. Thank you very much. Um, haven't been up to much, really. Had a nice weekend watching some of the Premier League football. Um, yeah, not, not really that much. And obviously going to Austrian Bundesliga games as well, which has been nice. Slightly warmer, just just for Lee there. <laughs> What's better, Austrian Bundesliga or Premier League? Uh, I mean, it has to be Austrian Bundesliga. There's nothing like watching live football in, in, in front of your eyes. But, you know, the Premier League is the Premier League after all. So it is fun as, as well. Uh, that's the only answer that I was willing to accept, Simon. So I'm glad that you've gone with the Austrian <laughs> Bundesliga there. <laughs> Lee, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, all good. Um, been heavily working on the German Bundesliga recently. My least favourite of the two Bundesliga. I good, don't know good. What the, the good, good, good. Bundesliga. Um, yeah, but now happy to to get stuck into our first Austrian football pod in, in quite some time. All right. I've been doing some commentary on the on the third division in Germany, which luckily is not called the Bundesliga, so it doesn't have to enter our race for which one's the best. But several people do think that we are the other Bundesliga, as in the Zweite Bundesliga in Germany, don't they? A lot of people think that. But, you know, our lovely listeners, you who are with us here today, you know that we're not. You know it's all about Austria here. Exactly. And, and there's only one other Bundesliga. I'm sorry. The site of Bundesliga is not the other one. It's the second one. <laughs> also, I've never quite understood why the, the third division in Germany, which is a national league, is not called the Dritte Bundesliga. Getting a bit of uh, German other, other Bundesliga talks going on here. Uh, it's worth pointing out as well, in Austria, people sometimes think that other Bundesliga means the Frauen Bundesliga. And uh, we've got a lot of love to give to the Frauen Bundesliga anyway, but especially today as we're recording on International Women's Day. So, you know, plenty of love for the for the Frauen Bundesliga here in Austria, the, the women's national team as well. And we do have a bit coming up about both of them later on in this episode. But um, we've got a lot to talk about, actually, if we include that and everything else, because we've got Bundesliga action to cover. We've got the regular season coming to a close. It's only a few match days away now until the league splits into the top six and the bottom six, which is, of course, a really important point of the Austrian Bundesliga season. Uh, we had two OFB Cup semi-finals just the other day as well. So our two finalists have been confirmed now. Um, there was a bit of a disappointing end to the Europa League. That's why we didn't do a Europa League special because there wasn't really much to talk about. But we'll cover the uh, the final Austrian involvement in the Europa League here on this episode too. And then there's been some stuff going on off the field, transfers, manager changes, a new investor coming in at one of the Bundesliga clubs. And uh, as I mentioned before, some significant successes for the Austrian women as well. So uh, plenty more to talk about in this episode. But before we actually get stuck in with that, we've got a little bit of uh, a bit of housekeeping and a bit of personal news for you, our lovely other Bundesliga listeners. Um, as you've probably noticed by now on our social media channels, we are actually launching a new podcast of our own. I know. We're crazy, uh, not content with doing one European football podcast. We're actually branching out into doing another one, as uh, as crazy as that may be. We've decided that actually we wanted to look at some of the other smaller European leagues as well. And uh, we know what kind of quality coverage there is out there. There's some great accounts covering all sorts of different leagues in European football. So what we've done is we've partnered with our friends over at FotMob, which is the football app that we use to get all our scores and uh, all our football news anyway. In collaboration with them, we're going to be launching a new and inclusive European football podcast that follows all the leagues around the continent. So that means really, whether it's San Marino, Sweden, Switzerland or Serbia, you know, we're going to be bringing all the latest news with the help of some brilliant local correspondents. So watch out for some uh, fantastic voices coming at you from all over Europe, some brilliant accents uh, in the can already that we're ready to share with you. So uh, that podcast is called The Sweeper. It's going to be launching officially in May 2021, but there'll be loads of social media content in the meantime. So please head over, do us a favor, give us a follow, give us a few retweets over at SweeperPod 
on your social media platform of choice. And that would be massively appreciated by all of us here at the other Bundesliga. So uh, we're really looking forward to, to launching that. Yeah, exciting times ahead, definitely. Very exciting times. And we can already hear your questions. Uh, how is this going to affect the other Bundesliga podcast and Twitter page? And the answer is it's not going to affect it one iota. Uh, our coverage for the Austrian Bundesliga will be continuing as normal. We'll, we'll still be going to, to all the biggest games with regular social media posts and podcast coverage. So you don't have to worry about that whatsoever. And while we're on the topic of the sweeper, we'll tell you, our listeners, a little bit more about our new partners, FotMob. So as Tom mentioned, FotMob is a mobile app that brings you live scores, stats, news, transfer updates, and plenty more besides. And we've been using it for quite some time now. We absolutely love it. Fans of Austrian football, so you guys, can follow every Bundesliga match live. There's goal alerts, live tables, player ratings, and an ever-growing array of stats too. And there are some exciting new features coming out this week as well. Live XG, expected goals, which are updated after each shot, plus expected goals and expected assists for each individual player. So whether you are a casual football fan or a stats nut or somewhere in between, it will be the perfect app for you. You can download it by searching for FOTMOB. That's F-O-T-M-O-B on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. So we're going to be celebrating the smaller leagues around Europe with FOTMOB. But uh, to bring things back to Austria, let's start with the OFB Cup semi-finals because there was a lot on the line. We probably had the four semi-finalists that we'd been hoping for. It was uh, VAC, Lask, Sturmgratz and Salzburg. Um, arguably, if you leave out Rapid Vienna there, you know, that's four of the, the five clubs who've been doing the best in Austrian football over the last few seasons. So that was exactly what we wanted. Uh, shall we begin with Wolfsburg against Lask? Because there was a lot bubbling up behind the scenes and uh, and off the football field in that one, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Uh, certainly was. The news broke, I think, the day before that game that the coach, Ferdinand Feldhofer, had decided to omit three of his key players, being assist king Michi Lindl, uh, Michael Novak and Christopher Vanitznig from the squad for that game. So there were all sorts of things going on behind the scenes in the lead up to what was probably one of Wolfsburg's biggest domestic games in their history. Um, it was really interesting listening to the the president, Dietmar Riegler, talking about what had gone on behind the scenes before the game, before kickoff uh, at, in, in that semi-final, because he was essentially being very candid and saying, you know, we need to get to the bottom of this. We need to work out what's gone on. I think from that point onwards, I felt like there was only going to be one outcome, because what are you going to do? Get rid of your three best players or or get rid of your manager? And, and so... That that was what happened. The next day, he was he was out of a job, and after a, a defeat in the cup final, cup semi final as well. Yeah, and it's worth talking about uh, uh, the match. The fact that Feldhofer started with I think seven recognised defenders on the pitch, and uh, it made for a truly terrible game of football. It was attritional. It was it was it, it was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen. And unfortunately, <laughs> I had to write a match report on it, which you can read on the Last website. I tried to bring it. Uh, to life. Um, but Lask won via a, a penalty from Philip Wiesinger in extra time. And Lask uh, are through to their first final in a generation. But for, for Wolfsburg, you, you can only imagine what, what a missed opportunity. It would, would have been their first ever cup final. And for all this drama to happen on the eve of this massive game, is just a real um, shame for the club and the fans, I think. It's been such a strange time, hasn't it, for Wolfsburg this season? Because in so many ways, it's been it's been an historic season. It's been incredible. You know, I've been down to Wolfsburg a few times to interview the players and I've interviewed Ferdinand Feldhofer as well on, on more than one occasion. And he's a lovely bloke. So I, I wished him really well, you know. And you have to remember that Wolfsburg just got through to the knockouts of the Europa League for the first time ever. They had their best ever European group stage campaign. It was all shaping up to, to be an historic season for the right reasons, but... In the league, they've struggled. I think, I think for the most part, we as neutrals, you know, as as people who are not Wolfsburg fans uh, per se, we were prepared to cut them some slack. You know, if you if you're traveling away to to Moscow or you're coming back from a Europa League game, and then your Bundesliga form dips a little bit as well, I think we we were not too critical of them. But obviously, that's built up throughout the season down in Corinthia. And it seemed pretty obvious it, it, that cup final, the cup semi made me, I, I don't know, it was a bit sad to watch really, because like you said, it was a, a terribly attritional game. Lask looked 
so tired and so injured as well. So many players out with injury, no creativity really for Lask. They were the better side, but that was a Lask side that were there for the taking. And, and you know, I felt like it was a, a lose-lose situation for Feldhofer, really. You don't keep any managerial authority if you have a big falling out with the players and you, you leave them in the squad still. And by the same token, it was pretty obvious if you let, if you leave them out and, you know, there's this kind of player mutiny, then it makes the manager's position untenable as well. And watching the interview with uh, Feldhofer after that game, it was pretty clear to me that he was going to be sacked in the morning and he knew it, really. And it was sad, you know, you saw the the footage during the game. I think you put a picture of it on, on our Twitter, didn't you, Simon, of yeah. of Mickey Lindel and co, you know, sitting, it was uh, Lightgeib and Novak Vanitznik all sitting there on the sides, um, up in the in the VIP section of the stadium, just watching on, and one of those pictures that could tell a thousand words, right? <laughs> it definitely was, and but I mean, it has to be said, like Mickey Lindel hasn't been the same authority that he's been in the last couple of seasons for VAT this season. Something's not quite working, and you know, sometimes just things don't go your way, do you? Mickey Lindel, like the guy who never misses penalties, obviously in the last couple of weeks in the league, he has now suddenly missed penalties. It's just one of those things, you know, that when things don't go your way, but. I don't really know exactly where, where the unhappiness came from, but there was obviously a huge falling out there somewhere. You say that, but he's still the top assister in the Austrian Bundesliga this season with 11. Um, I have to say, I feel like it's a little bit of an ego trip from Feldhofer because I think he clearly knows that it's not in his best interests to drop those players. He's obviously trying to make a statement, but for the biggest game in the club's history, you think that he might just be able to put some of those differences aside and get through that game at least, because it, it's just such a massive, massive occasion for them. And, you know, uh, in the in the days since his departure, Michel said, you know, it's our kind of math camp. It was our struggle, but, I mean, essentially that's what it, it boiled down to. It was some untenable differences, and they had one of the parties. I think it was clear which one they were going to do that for. I think you've absolutely put your finger, Lee, on the frustration from the fans that's exactly what I've seen online. It's just, you know, why did we have to let this spat, whatever it is, whoever's fault it is, why did we have to let that ruin this cup semi-final? You know, Lask were absolutely beatable opponents in that game. And we could be talking about Wolfsburg in a cup final and that would be massive for them. I mean, it sounds a bit over-exaggerated to say that this was the biggest game in their history, given that they've just played against Tottenham and, you know, they've just been in this Europa League run, but what a great chance for, for silverware that was for them. And it's all sort of gone down the pan. Um, should we talk a little bit about Lask on the other side of that semi-final? Because as strange as the circumstances were, they just about did enough to get through. And uh, they do find themselves in their first final since 1999. Talking about good chances of getting silverware. This is a side who've been knocking on the door for a couple of years and they probably deserve a crack at some Austrian silverware. Yeah, exactly. This is going to be one of the biggest games in their recent history. Um, it's the culmination, really, of three or four years of fantastic management um although you could tell in that semi-final that they were so tired like these were two tired tired teams and you can understand last squad is still relatively small uh compared to the, their rivals and um yeah for them to get into a final is amazing and Lask is this historic club but they've only won two trophies in their history and that were both in the same year in 1965 so if they were to win a trophy this year Obviously, the, the caveat being, if they won it w- without any fans, it would be pretty terrible for the fans. But the fact is, if they win a trophy, then it will go down as one of the greatest seasons in their entire history. So you now have a final in, in Klagenfurt to look forward to if you're a Lask fan. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great achievement from uh, from the Dominic Tauhammer and his side to get to the final. Managed to end their semi-final curse from the last couple of seasons as well. I think they've gone out of the semis in each of the last two years. So it's definitely progress. They've obviously had the disappointment with uh, their early Europa League exit and not being quite on the pace in the league. But to get to a final and a first opportunity for a trophy, absolutely massive. And Lask versus Salzburg is probably one of the matchups I'd, I'd want to see most in a final as well. Yeah, you've given the game away there, Lee, from the other semi-final. But um, it is a big difference, isn't it, than the the final we had last year, you know, Salzburg against second division opposition, Austria-Lustenau. This time, Lask versus Salzburg is uh, a lot more of a mouth-watering encounter. Let's have a look at how Salzburg got there because they were also playing at the venue for the final in Klagenfurt after the pitch at Sturm Graz was deemed not good enough to to be playing the game. Um, 
But Sturm have caused problems for Salzburg this season. And we'll talk a bit more about that later. But there was a lot riding on that semi-final and it seemed to be just the right one, didn't it? You know, Sturm, a difficult side for Salzburg up against Salzburg, needing a win. Um, how how was that in the end? You know, it was one-sided eventually, but what did you make of the game? I think you'd have to say that, yeah, from the scoreline, it looks one-sided, but there were a few moments in that game where if I was a Sturm Graz fan, my blood would still be boiling. Uh, I think, obviously, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the second goal in particular in that in that 4-0 win. I think it was a free kick where there were, was it three or four players that were that were clearly in an offside position? And um, I think when you when you have VAR in so many other countries around Europe and you see such a clear-cut mistake in, in Austria, it kind of makes a little bit of a mockery of Austrian football because at the moment we're used to having centimetre decisions made in, in various leagues around Europe and, and now there's such a clear one and, and, you know, Salzburg have obviously got a massive slice of luck from that. And then off the back of that, they went and scored a wonderful goal from Berisha, which I'm still not sure, was that a cross or was that a shot? I really don't know. And then uh, Adeyemi, nice to see him come on and, and make an impact after being benched by Jesse Marsh just a week earlier. So uh, yeah, to claim quite a comfortable 4-0 win in the end. Um, yeah, a bit disappointing from Sturm Graz's point of view. I thought Barisha's one was a cross, to be honest. Uh, some people disagreed with me online, but the way he looked up before he, he hit the ball... It was a cross that drifted in into the back posts, uh, into the inside side netting, if you haven't seen it. But when he looked up, he never had his eyes on the goal. He only looked across at the teammates. And I think he's just uh, sliced it a little bit and it's gone further forward than he wanted and sailed over the keeper. But, you know, if you're listening, Mergin Barisha, please do feel free to correct us. And uh, I'll credit you with a great goal. If if it is what you did mean, then you disguised it brilliantly. <laughs> Just got a couple of um, stats here. You, you guys know I love a good stat, but there's a few just to reflect Salzburg's dominance in this competition. They're obviously in their eighth Austrian Cup final in succession now, um, and they've won 46 of their last 47 fixtures in this competition. The only defeat being the, the 2018 final to Sturm Graz. During those 47 games, 203 goals scored, 24 conceded, and... The most consecutive finals previously reached by any one club was Austria-Vienna, five between 2003 to seven. Salzburg obviously uh, smashing that now with eight in a row, so it's quite something. Exciting times then, looking forward to the cup final. Lask versus Salzburg in Klagenfurt. Anything to say looking ahead at that game or should we move on? I think it'll be a great occasion. I think it's going to bring international attention. Um, I think... uh, it should be a great test. Who knows? Maybe Lask will, uh, will, will break that unbeaten run, Lee. <laughs> it would still take a massive upset, wouldn't it? Let's be fair. Salzburg have to be the heavy favourites for all bits of silverware in uh, in Austrian football. But what a chance for Lask to, to crown the achievements that they've been making uh, in their progress going forward over the last few years. So one to very much look forward to. Uh, probably brings back memories you know it was the first game post covid wasn't it the cup final last season the first sort of socially distanced game one of the first socially distanced games without fans around europe and those those weird images of salzburg celebrating against austria listenau from their their distanced uh, podium thing but uh, we hope it's a bit different to that this season in reality it's probably going to be something similar isn't it but still that's one to look forward to something to look back on is unfortunately the europa league because that's all over now for the austrian teams Salzburg were knocked out and Wolfsburg were knocked out as well. The two teams remaining. No real surprise in Wolfsburg's case going out to Tottenham. I think that's uh, fair enough. You know, they did themselves proud just being at that stage. But in terms of Salzburg, it was a bit more of a disappointing one, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. I think I really felt that they had a, a good chance against the Villarreal side that are now, I think, winless in seven or eight games in La Liga. Um Obviously, there was a lot of damage done in that first leg. You know, any any team that loses 2-0 at home in the first leg is really giving themselves a, a proper mountain to climb. But they started the the game in Villarreal in, in such bright, intense fashion. Got the early goal, almost got an early second goal. And again, it was a, it was a kind of characteristic Salzburg performance where for certain spells, they look like they can beat anyone and then they just can't keep up the intensity and the, the performance levels and Ultimately, they they deserve to go out. They lost 2-1 on the night, but it was thanks to, uh, you know, yet another. I mean, I know this was partly Junutsevic as well, but Stankovic and and Junutsevic, I think a couple of mix-ups that 
that proved very costly in the end. Yeah, and they were almost gifted a lifeline back into the tie, weren't they? And it was, it was just, it was it was extra frustrating to not see them be able to to take that opportunity. And for me, it sort of summed up Salzburg, didn't it? You know, not being able to keep this clean sheet, something that they just cannot do, a real Achilles heel for them in European football. And, you know, they got back into the game and, and, and yet again, exactly as we saw in the Champions League, they had dominant spells, they pushed forward and they just didn't get the goals that, that uh, they needed to get if you're going to be clinical in Europe, if you're going to go through. And then you see at the other end, of course, with a bit of a defensive mix-up, as you mentioned there, Lee, Villarreal were able to score without too much difficulty and Salzburg sort of shot themselves in the foot, really. But, you know, how much damage does that do to Jesse Marsh, given that, that Salzburg really didn't push on in the last couple of seasons in Europe, even though they made a few waves in the Champions League? Is that going to trouble Jesse Marsh and his sort of legacy at Salzburg? I think it might, in a way. I think the two Europa League exits have been pretty woeful. Last season against Eintracht Frankfurt and this season against Villarreal. Not as bad as the the Frankfurt uh, exit, but yeah, I feel like um, Salzburg and and the Europa League are very close, you know, and um, it's a competition that Salzburg could go far in if they got like an easier draw, I think. Um, they've been very unlucky drawing a Bundesliga team and a La Liga team. They've showed in the Champions League that they can compete for a certain amount of time. Um, but it's a difficult one because they have impressed a lot of people in the Champions League. But as soon as they drop down to the Europa League, it's almost like, you know, that there isn't a drive there to really uh, go forward. I mean, I might be wrong, but I feel like it, it does affect Marsh's legacy slightly. Especially as the problems are consistently the same ones. As you alluded to there, Tom, they just really struggle defensively. I mean, in the league a little bit, but specifically in Europe, where I think they are now 14. If you include those two games against Maccabi Tel Aviv and the Champions League qualifiers, that's 14 uh, consecutive games without a clean sheet now. And it's so clear that the problems lie in the defensive area of the pitch. And that has not been addressed over Marsh's two seasons Obviously, there is a big step up between Austrian domestic football and European competition. But when it's so obvious that that's where the problems lie, I think it it does sort of... I'm in agreement with Simon. I don't think it necessarily tarnishes his legacy or anything like that at Salzburg, but it it certainly does um, point towards a bit of a, a failure in coaching, I would say. Yeah, it's sort of the great unknown, isn't it, of Marsh's tenure in Salzburg, this inability really to get a foothold in the Europa League. And it's disappointing. And in a way, it it sort of sums it up that if you look at the European coefficient, where Austria were looking so healthy earlier on in the season with four teams in European competition and group stage competition, we're really excited about that. They've actually, you know, now got nobody left in the competition. They're in danger of slipping down a little bit, uh, Austria, in in the European rankings. And in fact, in this season, Lask were the top points uh, winners for Austria, even though they didn't go through their group stage. In the end, that was still enough for them to pick up the most of Austria's points. So actually, it's Lask leading the way. And now rather than Austria looking on and looking up in towards the top 10, now suddenly they're on the defensive again and pushing back. It should be said, it doesn't really matter too much because even down as far as 11th, which Austria might slip down to if uh, if Scottish teams, well, Rangers, I say Scottish teams, Rangers is the team I mean, if they keep doing well, uh, Austria could slip down to 11th. But even then, actually 11th is still okay for, for Salzburg or the, the league title winner to get into the Champions League directly, um, assuming that the, the winner of the competition actually gets a place themselves. So it doesn't look like it's going to be too costly, but it, it is sort of something of a missed opportunity, I think, for Austria on the on the coefficient scale, which you know I love to talk about. But should we just have a quick word for for Wolfsburg and their exploits against Tottenham? Was that anything to do with the downfall of, of Ferdinand Feldhoffer or was this was this a separate matter? No, not at all. It was uh, always going to be a like a um, Everest-type task for Wolfsburg to, to try and beat Tottenham in the both in the two legs like it almost uh came about at the same time when some Spurs's slightly underperforming players started performing again <laughs> I think you all know who I mean and um it was a great opportunity for Wolfsburg and I think they they impressed me but 
he, Tottenham was so much stronger. Like the, it was never going to be a close a close tie. I feel like it was a free hit, and Wolfsburg had their go. They they scored a goal. What more could you ask for, really? It was always going to be a defeat, but I feel like uh, they they played well. And far be it for me to you know harp on about refereeing decisions, but there was a, a moment in that game where Dieng was basically clean through with the score at one nil, and that was definitely a foul from Eric Dyer. That was definitely a foul. Um, you know, it's not going to change the outcome of the tie. I think that's pretty clear. That was lost in the first leg. But I feel like that was a decision that definitely favoured the big European name. Maybe a referee not wanting to incur the wrath of Jose Mourinho. I don't know. But that looked like a clear a clear foul to me. So, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna use that as my excuse for Wolfsburg. Yeah, it would have been an early red card, wouldn't it, for, for Eric Dyer with Cheku Dieng clean through. So could have been a bit different. Could have been a few more magical memories. But as it was, Wolfsburg out at the hands of Tottenham and Salzburg out at the hands of Villarreal. So that concludes our section on the UEFA Europa League. We've talked about the cup as well. We've got Blask versus Salzburg coming up in the cup. But for the rest of this episode, we'll take a very short break and we'll be back to bring you all the action from the Austrian Bundesliga. So, on to the Austrian Bundesliga. No surprise who's leading the way. It is Salzburg. But off the back of the defeat that they had against Villarreal, they were also defeated again in the league. It was uh, Sturm Graz completing a double over Salzburg for the first time in uh, in a few years, isn't it? I think it was 16-17 when Sturm Graz and uh, also Mattersburg as well, if my memory serves me correctly, somehow did the double. How did that happen? Mattersburg did the double over Salzburg. They don't even exist anymore. Rest in peace. May they rest in peace indeed. Still, that points to what has been quite an interesting season for Salzburg so far. They're still top of the pile. Um, but another defeat off the back of the, the Europa League defeat was uh, exactly what they didn't want, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, it now means that they've now lost more games in this season in the league than the previous two seasons combined, which is uh, frankly crazy, really. And the fact that they're still uh, five points clear at the top just shows they're five points clear at the top with a, with a rapid Vienna team who have the most points that they've had since 2009-10. So it just shows, uh, I don't know, the inequality in the league, maybe. But I think the the fact that Sturm Graz and Christian Ilzer seem to have Salzburg's and uh, the number this season, unfortunately, apart from in the cup, <laughs> uh, is is interesting. And I mean, it, it, I think it makes for a very exciting championship round when you have teams like Sturm Graz and, and Wolfsburg who, who beat them as well. I feel like it's not going to be the walk in the park that it was last season. I think it's going to be genuinely a tough ride for Salzburg going forward. And I'm looking forward to it. I really am. And that kind of brings us on to one of the questions that we had for today's podcast from Carlos on Twitter, who asked, what is missing for Rapid Vienna to actually compete against Salzburg in the Bundesliga? They are second, but they are no treats to RB when they face each other. I think he means threat. They literally are a treat to Salzburg, unfortunately. That's, that's been the problem, hasn't it? Yeah, a big problem. I think only one win in the last... 12 games against Salzburg in the league now for Rapid. I think that the first thing for Rapid is to get over the hump of actually trying to, to beat Salzburg. I feel like they go into these games as like an underdog when, I mean, Rapid are rarely the underdog, really. They, they are the, the biggest team in the country, the most well-supported team in the country. So they need to get over this hump. And um, as, an, as an Evertonian, we just beat Liverpool uh, in a Merseyside derby for the first time since 2010. And the change in your mentality is just extraordinary because you feel like once you've gone over that hump then you can finally challenge and I feel like Rapid need to beat them and uh, it's going to be tight at the top because the points are going to be halved so Rapid will only be two point uh, three points behind the Salzburg when the, as it stands at the moment so yeah I feel like this have to go over the hump mentality wise but if we're going to talk about the clubs in general then more investment <laughs> more investment in their youth uh, just a multitude of other things as well Classic Simon, always talking about humping. Yeah, I love to get over that hump, Lee. I love to get over that hump. <laughs> but I think it is, it's a consistency thing, isn't it? I mean, to, to really answer the question, it's a consistency thing because there are some great teams there. Sturm Graz have shown on their day that they can beat anyone in the league. Rapid as well, like you said, having their best season in, in quite some time. And, and Lask as well, you know, they beat Salzburg in the league you know, ended that long unbeaten run, didn't they, uh, in February last year? And they're a real threat as well. 
But the problem is that none of these sides seem to be able to put together a really consistent run. And until that happens, you feel that Salzburg are always going to be top of the pile. I feel like in a way that like Salzburg aren't that consistent either at the moment. You know, as you alluded to, they've lost four games. That's that's actually more, you know, that's not the fewest in the league. Other teams have lost fewer games, uh, namely Rapid Vienna with three. But being consistent is so, so difficult, isn't it, in this league? And, you know, even Salzburg are struggling with it. Sometimes they just turn up and can get beaten by anybody. You know, they've they've lost to the club at the bottom of the league uh, this season. They lost to Admira, uh, as they as they often do. They have a very weird bogey team, Salzburg. But the funny thing is, I think what, what the question kind of gets into as well is the fact that we've we've said already, you know, Sturm in a way have seemed to have Salzburg's number sometimes. They beat them in that cup final recently. They beat them twice in the league now this season. Lask have given a real good go to Salzburg in some seasons. And Lask even had the consistency. I mean, if you look back to last season, I think they won all of their away games in the regular season. You know, it doesn't get much more consistent than that. You know, literally 11 out of 11 in, in terms of those wins in difficult away fixtures. But then what is it about Rapid that just they don't seem to be able to lay a glove on Salzburg in these games? It's so different, you know, when they go into a game against Sturm or Lask, you know that it, it's got the potential to be a Salzburg win. Any game's got the potential to be a big Salzburg win, but it's also got the potential to be a real uh, a real thriller and, and perhaps to see Salzburg get a bloody nose. Whereas when they're, when they're playing against Rapid, what have we had recently? 7-2 to Salzburg in in Vienna, I think it was six. Was it six-two in the cup in December as well? And now four-two in the league a couple of weeks ago. So since we last recorded, and even that one four-two doesn't really do it much justice because Rapid scored twice in injury time, and it was it was this extra gear that you feel like Salzburg always just pull out an extra gear against Rapid that they don't pull out against other teams, which I always find that a bit a bit strange. They seem so comfortable and so confident. That game, you know, Rapid didn't really do much wrong. And yet you had three combinations, Aronson to Barisha to Dakar and three goals. You know, they just blew Rapid away. Yeah, there's, we could talk about this for, for a while. What can Rapid do to try and get up to Salzburg's level? But, you know, I feel like this season, um, Rapid are... <laughs> they have been winning games by slight margins. There's been a few 1-0 wins here and there. Uh, we, we were there at uh, the, the Allianz Stadion for the, for the game against Esval Reed, where 17-year-old y- Yusuf Demir had his, uh, has his, his real his, his breakout moment, I think, uh, and a 90, 91st-minute winner, a brilliant goal from outside the box in the top corner. So and there are plenty and plenty of positives for Rapid this season. They are, at the moment, Salzburg's number one title challenger. And we go into a championship round with an inconsistent Salzburg, Yes, we have inconsistent Rapid and Lask and Sturm or whatever, but I feel like it could be, um, it could be really fun if these inconsistencies go into championship round. Then it could be genuinely close, which is what I'm hoping for. I'm, I'm hoping for for the opposite of last season, basically. <laughs> There's still a lot of strong sides in the mix. I think is is the point you're getting at, and that does make an exciting championship round. Let's round up what's happening in the rest of the top four before we get into that absolutely fierce battle a bit further down the league uh, for the final places in the top six, because that's going to be really interesting. That's, for me, what to watch in the next few weeks. At the moment, uh, what goes on in the top four is in some ways irrelevant, because as you've said, once the points are halved, everybody's actually going to be really, really close anyway. So if anybody can put together a great run in the championship round, they're going to be there or thereabouts. But Rapid... Um, that was their second derby of the season, uh, the, their game this weekend against Austria-Vienna in Favoriten and uh, another derby in which they couldn't find a way to win it. Uh, Patrick Pence was the hero last time in, in Hütteldorf after a completely one-sided display. This time it wasn't so one-sided, but uh, still no way through for, for Rapid Vienna. It ended nil-nil and it was a bit of a damp squib of a derby. I watched the highlights of that game today because I didn't manage to, to catch it live. And I have to say, probably the most exciting moment of the highlights was Matteo Barac's shorts becoming a skirt for a few minutes. <laughs> Otherwise, there wasn't really wasn't really too much going on in that game, except, you know, the late drama with, with Knas Muller's header onto the crossbar. Um, but yeah, you have to say, it, it did feel like a missed opportunity for Rapid. I felt like... Austria were on the back foot from what I saw of that. Yeah, Rapid definitely shaded it. And if you didn't see the the images of that live, it's, it's hard to sort of describe what happened. But in a challenge, Matteo Barrett's got his shorts sort of stood on and, and and then they were just ripped open into this big skirt. And he couldn't go off and change it until half time. So Barrett played with, with a big, weird green skirt thing, which was 
yeah, definitely the most interesting thing in the derby until uh, that massive chance for Knast Mulder at the end. But um, what else about? But what else within the top four have we got? Because Sturm Graz are still there or thereabouts, aren't they? And they're still clinging on to their their title as the uh, the the meanest defense in the league, just about. Yeah, I feel like we had a lot of talk about that, didn't we? Obviously, because they had one of the best defences in Europe around Christmas time with only five goals conceded. That picture has changed quite significantly because in the the couple of months since Christmas, they've now conceded 19 goals in total. So almost three times as many, 14 since Christmas, almost three times as many as they had before. It's obviously quite a substantial difference. I don't think there's really going to be any danger to their top six place. I feel like that's already relatively um, certain but by the same token it's weird to see because they do seem to have fallen off a little bit that that great wall of grass that they had before Christmas is no more really but I mean they just beat Salzburg as well didn't they and then against Tyrol this weekend Kelvin Yeboa popping up against his old club so they're very much a picture of this inconsistency but still looking a lot stronger than they were last year yeah, and they're the kind of team who, who can win against anybody, as you said. So they're going to be exciting additions to the championship round. And then there's Lask as well, who um, take away the, the the weird loss against Hartberg. They're actually one of the most informed teams in the, in the league at the moment. They've chosen the perfect time to, to, to get into some form. Uh, four wins out of five. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Lask are a, a, a secret tip for the... Uh, to, to, to give a quite a run to Salzburg, but yeah, the, the defeat against Hartberg, who we're going to talk about shortly, but Hartberg are in the ascendancy humongously at the moment. Um, it's a very interesting league, Tom. Because <laughs> you're laughing away. We don't hear the word humongously used on the podcast a lot, especially not in the context of Hartberg. But uh, they do sort of deserve it at the moment. There's a quick word for last because I accidentally missed them out. Actually, they're they're in third place at the moment in this very very tight uh, or very very interesting top four. At least it has spaced out a little bit since the new year. But um, Lask, with so many injuries, I, I do feel for them this season because the fact that they're still there, you know, in the cup final, pushing up still in the top uh, end of the league, did well in the Europa League. It's quite remarkable, really, when you think that this is a squad that pick out some of their key names. They're not available. Gruber's just gone out as well now. Andreas Gruber's been a brilliant signing for them. Well, a signing, I say, from, from the ashes of Mattersburg. He's been an absolutely brilliant addition. Goals and assists looked really exciting on the ball brilliant just squad filler and just generally adding to the strength of that last first team you know whether on the bench or in the starting 11 out, out of this out for the season with a cruciate ligament injury you've still got Raguz their main top scorer really though their main uh, central center forward out with a long-term injury up front Karamoko the signing like showed signs of good form up front as well, got injured. He's just returned from injury and had a recurrence of the same injury. So Karamoko's out again and it's all fallen to uh, Johannes Eggestein, the player who's on loan and uh, is going to be leaving at the end of the season. So Eggestein's sort of carrying them up front at the moment, but even he was out with a knock for their most recent game. So it's been quite bizarre for for poor old Lask this season with their, their injury situation. I just feel, I mean, maybe they, they obviously didn't want to get knocked out of European competition, but if there was ever a season for that to happen... One like this season is probably it where they've got so many injuries because I, I doubt they'd have been able to contend on three thrunts with that really slim down squad. Nope, but they're still there fighting in the top four. So let's move down then because when you look from fifth down to eighth, we have a titanic battle going on for those last couple of places in the top six. And, and really that's so important because you have to remember for all the small sides, you know, this is a way to guarantee that they're not going to get relegated. And and that is what they're thinking about. You know, sixth place doesn't just mean a massive chance of European football and some huge games for the rest of the season. It really means you've got rid of the relegation battle already. And and for teams like Hartberg and for VSK Tirol as well, that definitely would be the main objective. You know, you you have the chance to, to complete everything that you need to complete for the season in the next couple of weeks, you know, you give yourself a few months of, of everything being a free hit and everything being great fun. And we saw that perfectly encapsulated by Hartberg last season, who snuck into P6 and then upset the apple cart a few times in that championship round, ended up in fifth and had their first ever European season. So for the smaller clubs, that's on the cards. And for the bigger clubs like Wolfsburg, well, bigger clubs in terms of their ambitions, at least, they absolutely have to be in the top six. Otherwise, it's a, a complete disaster. You know, same for Austria-Vienna. And so at the moment, we've got Viadse, 
Hartberg, VSG Tirol and Austria Vienna all absolutely duking it out. And, uh, and only a couple of game weeks left. It's going to be really close, isn't it? I think it's it? fascinating because Wolfsburg are currently four points clear of seventh. However, they're playing VSG Tirol away and then Austria Vienna at home. So you, you can't say for sure that um, Wolfsburg will definitely be in the top six because they're playing two of their top six rivals in the in the final two games. Um, but uh, all it takes will, will be a draw for Wolfsburg to qualify. But I feel like you look at the, the three other teams, Hartburg, Verske, and Austria, you have three very different stories going on there. <clears throat> Firstly, you have Hartburg, who, as I mentioned, are just in scintillating form. Um, then you have Verske, who are in the complete opposite form. They're, they're bottom of the form table. In, in, which is crazy when you consider that back when they won away at Lask on the 24th of January, they were two points behind Lask. And now they are, was it 13 points behind Lask? So this shows how much they've dropped. They haven't won a game since the 31st of January. That's three draws and three defeats. So Verske have genuinely fallen off a cliff here. And then you have Austria-Vienna, who are kind of like inconsistent, win a game, lose a game, like how they have been for the last couple of seasons. But who knows? Maybe Austria could sneak in because the way the fixtures have panned out, they really are fascinating because, um, let me, I've enlisted here. So Hartberg are playing Rapid away, then St. Poulton at home. Then, uh, I mean, they always win at Rapid away for some reason. So <laughs> for some reason, uh, Harburg have this thing over Rapid in the Allianz Stadion. Then St. Poulton at home. Verske are Wolfsburg away, Rapid at home. And then Austria Wien are Sturm Graz away, Wolfsburg at home. Fascinating games and a fascinating duel for, for the final two top six spots. So yeah, it should be very exciting to watch that. With Hartberg making this late push as well, it means that we could very well have the, taint, the same top six that we had last season, exactly, which I feel would be quite a, a big coincidence because, of course, there are some big names in that top six that you'd always expect to be there. But, you know, for, for Hartberg to, to get there again, that proves that they're, they're really doing something right down in Styria. What a time for Hartberg's form, as you mentioned. So there was actually, Hartberg were, were kind of stuck in, in obscurity in the middle of nowhere. They weren't even in this top six race, really, a couple of weeks ago. And then they had the catch-up game against VSK Tirol, which was kind of the game for VSK Tirol to cement their place in the top six. And they lost to Hartberg 1-0 in a very, very narrow game. So it's a bit unlucky, actually, for VSK Tirol, that one. It's a bit of a hard luck story for this for them lately. Um, but that, that win for Hartberg didn't really seem that significant. Until then, they capitalized on that with a shock win against Lask. And then they backed that up with a, a routine win against Admira. And all of a sudden, Hartberg have picked up nine points out of nine. Not many teams do that in Austria, certainly not outside of the top three. Um, and that enough, that in, in itself has been enough to see Hartberg, you know, almost double their points tally and put them right into the into the mix with the the top six. And what a time, as you mentioned, they've peaked at just the right time. They They might actually do it, but... I feel I do feel a bit sorry, as I mentioned there, for for VSK Tirol because, yeah, they had a bit of a drop in form. Uh, a defeat to Salzburg was included in that, and then since then it's been a really narrow defeat to St. Poulton, a really tough defeat one 0 as well against Hartberg, which I think they're a bit unlucky. A draw one all against Admira, including it should be said uh, a brilliant goal from Rennie Smith, so English goal scorer alert in the Austrian Bundesliga. What a touch! Woo! What a finish! <laughs> I mean, that was incredible. That's that's a that's a goal of the month contender for sure. He, he, does, he deserves a call up, Tom. I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he wants a call up for Austria, as as you'll see in the the interview that we did with him in the Bundesliga magazine. But I, I was really happy with that. It's a great goal from him. But then they got the winner against Admira, and it was chalked off very very harshly for a foul in the build up. So. These are these are really costing these decisions are really costing VSK at the moment. And then this weekend against Sturm, injury time equalizer from their old player Kelvin Yeboa. Of course, it came from Kelvin Yeboa, didn't it? So uh, VSK, I, I, I do feel for them because it would be a great story for them. You know, being relegated last season, granted a reprieve, and then being in the top six, it, it would be qu- quite incredible. And I do feel like they've been unlucky the last couple of weeks. It would have been the Denmark Euro '92 of the Austrian Bundesliga, wouldn't it? And did a reprieve while they were all on holiday, <laughs> came back and took it by storm. Oh, it's, it's almost as big as that. Um, yeah, like you said, Simon, VRC, Wolfsburg's uh, fixtures make it really interesting for them. They they should be comfortable, but a word for them this weekend, their first game since departing uh, with their coach 
Ferdinand Feldhofer, Roman Stari came in, the former Corinthian Academy boss, uh, had experience as the assistant at Austria Vienna as well, as well as the Austrian youth national teams. But um, a 4-0 win against Esfarid was really the perfect tonic for him to start uh, for VAT, wasn't it? And it makes them look a bit more comfortable, at least uh, at the top of that top six battle. Um, but yeah, they're still in the mix. What, what do you make of, of what Roman Stari did on the weekend in his first match? It can't be the easiest situation to get that new manager bounce. Yeah, I mean, it was an excellent performance against uh, a rather lacklustre Reed. I haven't really been impressed with them. They've had a very unremarkable return to the Bundesliga. Um, I, I just wanted to talk about the, the rumours about Ferdinand Feldhofer's uh, next role in football. Apparently, uh, rumours are abound of uh, him being the assistant to Franco Foda in the Austrian national team which is uh, quite an interesting move. Well, what are your opinions on that? I see your faces are all squinted. Like <laughs> Michi Lindel not getting a call-up then. That's, that's what there is to say about that. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's Ferdinand Feldhofer's role, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but Lindel was back on the score sheet this weekend, which is you know just, just typical as well, isn't it? He's missed, missed penalties lately, and then he gets one in the game against Reed and scores it. But... Um, yeah, interesting. I was I was screwing my face up because I'd not heard that. So interesting. Ferdinand Feldhofer potentially installed as a Foda's assistant. Let's round up, shall we? The the rest of the league because you've got St. Poulton, you've got Reed, you've got Altac, and you've got Admira. There's been more managerial changes. Uh, some teams who are flatlining a little bit, really down at the bottom, uh, who are not involved in that top six race. These teams will definitely be duking it out for relegation. And again, once those points have been halved, whatever the table looks like now, suddenly it's going to be really, really close. And you're going to get these things where a scrappy win in the championship round is going to bring somebody, well, in the relegation round, is going to bring somebody three absolutely precious points every week. So uh, start with St. Poulton, I guess. Well, I mean, uh, we, have a, we have a Google document here and we have nothing next to St. Fulton, <laughs> which, which kind of says more than uh, anything we could say. Um, yeah, I mean, they had a great start to the season. They were free-flowing football, scoring many, many goals. Alexander Schmidt was scoring the goals. And yeah, they kind of, uh, they had a win against VSK Tirol on the 20th of February, they, but they lost to Austria Wien and Salzburg. It's just... I don't even know what to say about them, really. They kind of, um, they kind of fallen down the league gradually. What's happened to the goal-scoring form of Dor Huggy? Where's he yeah, gone? All of our dreams about our brand new Sean Weisman in tatters right now, <laughs> and he was a really star. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they're not scoring as many goals now. Um, it's um, yeah, you have to wonder what's happened there. Maybe they just uh, realised. I mean, maybe they're performing far above potential, and they've signed these these brand new American players who are doing very well actually so far in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, it's just an interesting case, St. Poulton. I don't really know what else to say about them. Yeah, exactly. One thing St. Poulton have in common with the next team, Reed, is actually that they've both uh, signed or, or let players go to Rapid uh, for the summer because St. Poulton's uh, Robert Lubicic will be going to join his brother Dejan Lubicic at uh, Rapid Vienna in the summer. And Reed, of course, Marco Grull, who's uh, been touted as their most exciting prospect in the attacking third for quite a while. Marco Grull is also going off to join Rapid after uh, what has been a pretty difficult season in the Bundesliga, hasn't it? He's only showed glimpses of his talent. But um, Reed, with, with Patrick Schmidt coming back to Austria as well, they're really struggling at the moment. Yeah, uh, Tom and I saw them play against Rapid last weekend. And... Um, I mean, they had a couple of chances here and there, but it really was not a great performance from them. It was entirely rapid. And uh, obviously they lost in, in the last minute of the game. But yeah, not been impressed by Reed from what I've seen so uh, this season. I feel like they could struggle and they could even get relegated. Altac, another side uh, moving down. They were uh, another one to get some new manager bounce. Wolfsburg managed it, but now Altac managed it as well this weekend or last weekend. Yeah, kicked the pastor out, didn't they? Alex Pastor gone. Um, what's his name? Damir Kanadi has uh, has been appointed back in charge, and I feel like that's given them, you know, maybe that will give them enough time to turn things around before the end of the season because they were really on a dire run of results under Pastor towards the end. I think, aside from that win against Wolfsburg, lots of lots of losses in the last five games as well. So I think it's probably going to be a four-way relegation battle. But, you know, the, the way it works here is that 
those wins are worth so much more after the league's split in half and the, the points are essentially, you know, worth double to, to what they were before. So, yeah, it's going to depend. I can see Admira being in trouble again, to be honest, because they're always down there, aren't they? Every year since we've done this pod, they've always been down there and they've always just managed to stay up. Last season on the last day against VSG Tirol. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we eventually saw them go down this season. Admira have, in fact, been the classic benefactor of this points mean double in the championship uh, or at the end of the season, in the final 10 games of the season. And they just scrapped away to a couple of kind of wins against the form book, if you will. And and the points, you know, six or nine points here or there in the last 10 games of the season from, from a couple of wins. It's really, really costly for your opposition. And Admira will be relying on that again if they're going to do it. But um, I just want to go back to Altac and talk about Nevin Subotic, of course, because Subotic was uh, was brought in, in in a way reminiscent of bringing in Sydney Sam last season. Sydney Sam obviously plays a much more attacking role than Subotic, but he chipped in with some brilliant uh, goals and assists for for Altec last season and, and pushed them up in that bottom six round. This time they've they've brought in Nevin Subotic, obviously a guy with a massive trophy cabinet and a great amount of experience. It hasn't been the perfect start for Subotic, has it? Because he scored the own goal this weekend in a 1-0 defeat against Lask, but it's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, from the heady heights of the Champions League final all the way down to, to a cold cold night in Altec. <laughs> Incredible, I mean, really. I think with uh, just going back to Pastor, the fact that they lost the first Vienna in the in the OFB Cup, for me, that's a team in the fourth division. And in Austria, the fourth division, first Vienna are, are a very different club than the average fourth division side. But still, he should have been sacked after that. Really, that, that's an almost unforgivable defeat. Um, so I'm surprised he lasted uh, this this long. And yeah, it came about uh, a five-one defeat away at Austria Vienna was was the final nail in the coffin. And then, yeah, Kanadi comes in and it's an excellent 1-0 away win at Wolfsburg. So, um, obviously, knowing what we know now about what's happening at Wolfsburg at the time, maybe uh, the perfect time to play them, really. Yeah, well, that's probably enough for the the bottom four kind of battle. It's... uh... Not the highest quality in the Austrian Bundesliga, it's fair to say. I'm much more excited about the ensuing top six battle, as I've made no secret of. I cannot wait for some of those games in the in the next couple of weeks. But our our allusions to Nevin Subotic and the Champions League are incredibly not the only thing that we have to say about the Champions League in this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast, because uh, who's got some more Champions League news for us? Very smart segue there. I like that. I just wanted to appreciate that before you moved on. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Who's going to tell us about the Champions League? Is that you, Simon? It is me, yeah. I mean, I almost brought it up earlier with St. Poulton. But St. Poulton, if, if you don't know, they have this wonderful women's team. They are perennial champions uh, in recent years. And uh, they reached a round of 16 in the in the UEFA Women's Champions League for the first time. And they played the Swedish champions of Rosengard from Sweden. The Swedish champions from Sweden? So, come on now. <laughs> so the Swedish champions were Rosengard. And uh, they went 2-0 up in the game as well. And uh, it ended up a 2-2 draw, a heartbreaking 93rd minute equaliser from the, the Swedish champions. But they now go into the second leg at the MV Arena uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I believe the game kicks off at 8.30 on Wednesday, if you want to watch it. I think it's on ORF. And uh, yeah, they they have the chance to reach the quarterfinals for the first time in their history. So um, a very exciting time for Austrian women's football, I think. Yeah, especially when you throw in what's happening with the national team as well. Brilliant qualification for them. Qualified for the European Championships in England next, uh, next summer, which is great for us. And um, yeah, they... They finished second in their group to France. Uh, France, you know, all one of the best teams in uh, in women's football. They qualified by being one of the best runners-up. So congratulations are in order for the 2017 semi-finalists, Austria, for qualifying for a second consecutive Euros. So very exciting stuff for them. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And uh, whilst we're on the subject, you know, it's International Women's Day and there's even more good news for women's football in Austria, isn't there? Yes, because Lask have created a women's football department um, a long time coming, some would argue. But when they hired Dominic Tauhammer, Dominic Tauhammer was the manager of the Austria women's team that reached the semifinals in, 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 in 2017. So 
I feel like he's had a, a lot to say here. And they're now last cover women's football department, and they're starting in a, in a, in a very low league, I believe. And they're going to make their way organically, which is good. So, yeah, very exciting times, really, with these clubs making these women's, women's departments. And, yeah, excellent stuff. I think, actually, that they're planning to start with uh, games and training at the, the Pashing training complex um, from this autumn. And they're currently looking for players. So if you are a, a, a female footballer out there and you're interested in playing, get in contact with Lask because they're organising trials at the moment. Yes, absolutely brilliant. Uh, what a time. And look at that. You know, we, we criticise sometimes the way that Austrian football and media have a bit of a, an old-fashioned relationship. But Lask announcing their women's football department and getting it started on International Women's Day. Hello, Lask and their uh, international development, you know. Their strategy is on point. You can see it. It's working. It's great to see more investment in women's football in Austria because as, as, far, as far as I'm aware, Red Bull Salzburg don't have a women's team, neither do Rapid Vienna. Uh, but in the current Frauen Bundesliga, you have St. Polten, who are the, 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 the almighty St. Polten, uh, Sturm Graz, uh, Austria Wien, and Avaka uh, Innsbruck as well in terms of uh, top division teams. So it's just great to see another Bundesliga club uh, get in on the on the party, and I can't wait until every Bundesliga team has a, a women's team as well. Uh, you just said you talked about investment in football. I think there's one thing that we should talk about just before we wrap up this podcast, and that's the fact that you know Austria Vienna have got international investment coming in as well. I was just praising Lask's internationalization and their sort of media strategy and everything getting a bit more modern. It's a good sign for Austrian football in general. But what do you make of Austria Vienna and their new? english-speaking investors in senior yeah um they're a, a company who, who are based in the city of london they they um i believe they give like lorenzo in senior <laughs> lorenzo in senior i'm sure they want to sign him but um so they, they came in that they're this london-based company and they have these very grand plans for uh, austria vienna they mentioned champions league qualification in their press conference obviously that's going to take the headlines um but uh, it was, I mean, I watched the press conference because I was interested in this English-speaking company coming in and, you know, investing heavily in Austria Wien. And they want to make Austria Wien like a football brand across Europe. They said uh, that there's no better city in Europe than Vienna, which I think we can, uh, the three of us can all agree with. So, yeah, it's a great place to invest in a football team, I think. Um, time will tell whether this will be a successful partnership. They certainly have grand plans. Um, along with the grand plans, they also talked about like community outreach and investing in the youth team heavily and uh, all this community stuff. So it's not just the glitz and glamour of the Europa League and Champions League and signing players. It's also actually making a community as well. So um, Champions League gets the headlines and making them one of the one of the top brands in European football, I think is what they said, is going to raise some eyebrows. It raised my eyebrows, but uh, there's that's the, that's the sensationalism. But below that, is some substance as well. We'll see how it goes. We've seen this before. Um, hasn't gone down, hasn't gone well before in certain cases. So let's see. A any challenge at the top for Salzburg is a good one for me. So yeah, that's the Austria Wien investment, and yeah, let's see where it goes. Yeah, for for the moment they've got their work cut out to try and squeeze into the top six and give us a lot more Vienna derbies for this season. Uh, anything else to add before we wrap up, or is that everything from? The Cup, the Europa League, the, the Bundesliga, other news as well, the, the Frauen Bundesliga. Is that it? Should we leave it there for today? We've covered a lot of stuff there, Tom. <laughs> I'll just take one more opportunity to remind all our lovely listeners that if you do want to branch out a little bit from Austrian football and find out what's going on in some of the smaller leagues around Europe, then do follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at SweeperPod. Our first episodes will be coming out very, very soon. Yes, really looking forward to working on the sweeper pod. It's not going to replace our work here in Austria. We will remain neutral and we will remain all over Austrian football, but we're going to be covering stuff and celebrating all the other lovable leagues around Europe as well with the help of some brilliant guests from all over the continent. So uh, yes, it would be really appreciated if you'd follow us over at sweeper pod if you haven't done so already. But uh, from the sweeper to the other Bundesliga, that's what this episode has been. We will be back with the other Bundesliga as soon as we can, as soon as anything else interesting happens in Austrian football, <laughs> keep an eye out for that top six battle in the next few weeks. And we'll be back very soon with the other Bundesliga podcast. 
If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the gentlemen creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork. 